Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. While meditating a few weeks ago, some of you that have prepared lessons or sermons, or you, you know what I'm talking about. I had three distinct passages come into my mind. Three points. And I knew that they were for a message, but initially I couldn't grasp it. Because even though these three points are very, very well known, connecting them together in a message seemed to be a reach. But I, I just couldn't leave these passages alone. The title of my message today is, Which Group Are You? Which group are you? And I know some of you say, well, what are you talking about? Don't go to sleep and you'll find out. <laughs> Which group are you? The first passage that came to me was from, it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, let's look at Mark's statement Mark's statement in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. alarmed. Now, verse 6. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed, you Seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. I want us to look at that couple of words where he says, he is not here. But he says, you seek Jesus. You seek Jesus. John did not use these specific words, but look what he said in John chapter uh, 20. John chapter 20, verse 1 through 5. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while he was still dark. Let's drop down to verse 15. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Then drop down to verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced to his disciples, I have seen the Lord. I have found him. I know he wasn't lost. He knew where he was. But they went looking for a body and they found what? 
a resurrected Savior. But they found him. They were looking for him. And he has said these things to her. That first point that I wanted to bring to your attention is there are still people that are looking for Jesus. I said, there are still people that are looking for Jesus. And Mary said, I have found him. I have seen the Lord. Recently, I was thinking about some of my failures. Do any of you have any failures? I was thinking about the things that I was not. I was not the best this. I was not the best that. And I know you could add a lot of phrase to that. Not the blessed. But I came to the conclusion that even though I may not be the best, I have been blessed. I have been blessed. I've been blessed with a wonderful wife. I've been blessed with a great family. I've been blessed with a great church family. But the greatest blessing that I've ever received is I have found Jesus. I have found Jesus. I have not seen him physically with my eyes, but I have seen him spiritually. And I have found Jesus. The greatest thing that we can ever find is Jesus Christ. Finding Jesus. And they went looking for him on that first Easter morning and said, we want to look for Jesus. Where is he? And said, if you've taken his body, let me know. I'll take this body and remove it. I'll get him out of your way. And they were expecting a, a dead body, but instead they found a resurrected Lord. What an awesome thing that is. See, the Sunday before Jesus was crucified, he was one of the most popular men on that day. We celebrated his Palm Sunday. And the crowds not only shouted Hosanna, they thronged him. And we find people that wanted to meet him. On that day, everybody wanted to contact Jesus. Everybody wanted to meet Jesus. And I submit to you today that there are literally millions, billions in the world today that still need to meet Jesus. They still need to meet Jesus. Still today. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Read a couple of verses beginning with verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things that had been written about him and had been done to him, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard they had done this sign. People came to him because they had heard that Jesus had resurrected someone from the dead. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're gain, gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The world of that, they were looking for Jesus. They were seeking him. Why? Because he'd raised somebody from the dead. But as we go on, it says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Now the Greeks word usually became interchangeable for the Gentiles. Gentiles, these were people that spoke Greek and they came looking for Jesus. It says, so they came to Philip 
who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Sir, we would see Jesus. The cry is being echoed throughout the world today. Even as we speak, I said, even as we speak, many know of him. And yet there are many, many millions that have never heard the name Jesus Christ. Many have never heard him. District Council was awesome last week. And hearing the reports of what God is doing locally and all over the world is so encouraging. But there's one thing that it has been shown over and over again. The fields are wide into the harvest. And there are still people that are looking for Jesus. And if you're here today, you may not even know why you came to church. You might have come to see a senior honored today. You might have come just because you just needed something to do. But the reality is you're looking for Jesus. Can I tell you that he can be found. We can share with you. And it was so awesome to hear that what God is doing through this church. I just want to share with you that last week there are 349 churches in Peninsula, Florida. Many, many of our Assembly God churches are much, much bigger than we are. They're a lot smaller, a lot of churches smaller, but we are certainly not one of the largest churches. But out of the 349 churches, you were number 22 in the district in like for the lost giving. You were number six in BGMC giving. You were number two in Speed the Light giving. And you were number 11 overall out of 250. 349 churches, that's what you did. Why? Because you want people to know that they can find Jesus. That's what missions is all about. Give yourself a hand. I told my wife afterwards, I said, nothing would please me more than if we could double our giving and not even get to be recognized next year because people are given so much more. See, there are people that are still looking for Jesus. They need to be introduced to Jesus. Those that came to the tomb to find Jesus knew what they were looking for. But many in the world today, they don't have a clue. The Bible calls it the bread of life, eternal life, the living water, the good shepherd, Are you one of that group? Are you still looking for Jesus? And I'm glad to know that we're sending missionaries to foreign lands. But there's some of your neighbors that are still looking for Jesus. They may not have a clue. 
But that's what they really want to see. I love our worship. I love our beautiful facilities. But people could care less about the facilities. What they really need is to see Jesus. Which group are you? Many will say, you hear this all the time. You just need to let them believe what they want to believe. They need to remain true to their culture. Now that sounds really religious. But you know what the book says? The Bible says, and their salvation and no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which man might be saved. No, it says must be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And men are still looking for Jesus. That's one group. That's one group. The second passage was not a question, it was a command. It was given in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. I'm going to begin reading in verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer on the third day rise from the dead. How many knows he did that? And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his nation, name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. How many knows they did that? You're witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay. King James Version says, wait. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Now we probably need to preach several messages on this. It's not a suggestion. It was a command. He told the disciples, stay. You already know that Jesus rose from the dead, but there's something else that you need. You need to be clothed with a power from on high. The disciples needed the person of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus did not begin his active ministry until his baptism in water and the fulfilling of the Holy Spirit. Now let me just ask you this. If Jesus needed him, if the disciples needed him, if the early church needed him, don't you think it may still be applicable today? During the Brownsville Revival, Lindell Cooley wrote a song that may have said it best. I want more of your glory. I want more of your power. I want more of your spirit in me. Speak to my heart and change my life. Manifest yourself in me. We need his power. We need the spirit of God. Are you in that group that has it? Are you in the group that needs it? Because you're one of them. Two weeks from today is Pentecost Sunday. And I want to invite you right now that two weeks from tonight at uh, Life Church in Fruitland Park, 
we're going to have a combined Pentecost rally, and we'd like to invite you to that at 6 o'clock. And over the coming months, we're planning some nights, Sunday nights probably, just some nights of worship, just the nights of worship of seeking God, praising God. And we're going to do some nights just of seeking His Spirit. Why? Why? Because we need more of His glory. We need more of His power. We need His strength living in us. And guess what? As God does that, as that happens, God will give the increase. We need His Holy Spirit. And you're either the, in the group that has it or the, the group that does not. A little bit like my doctor told me. You know, for years they kept saying that I was borderline a diabetic. And the doctor finally said, you know, you either are a diabetic or you're not. It's like saying I'm borderline pregnant. We need his power. The third passage given to me was a, another question. And it's in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I want to begin reading verse 6. So when they come together, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said those things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went... Behold, two men stood by them in white robe. Here's the question. And he said, men of Galilee, <clears throat> why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come as the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Going back to a few weeks ago, those three verses. Who are you looking for? We're still looking for Jesus. What do we need to do? We need to wait and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. But then this one talks about the Holy Spirit, but I don't know what you've caught it. It says, why are you standing there waiting? Why are you just looking, waiting for Jesus to come? I believe in the rapture and I believe it could happen any time. But folks, Jesus didn't tell us to sit and look at the distance and wait on the rapture. He said, be about my father's business. So why are we waiting? So you see the groups? You see the groups? Because see, I, I recall a parable that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. 
And after agreeing with the labors for Daenerys a day, he sent them to, to his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever's right, I will give you. So they went going out again at about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. There's a lot of people that think that God has not hired them. And we do believe in being called into the ministry. We believe that there's a calling but we also believe that that takes nothing away from the fact that all of us as a body of Christ need to be working in the vineyard. And there's a big group of people today that are sitting on the sidelines, idle, waiting for the professionals to do it when God never said the professionals had to do it all. Matter of fact, if you want to get that, there's a good illustration of that. See, I'm the shepherd. And there's an old saying, shepherd cannot bear sheep. Only sheep can bear sheep. So that's group. See, there's another one of Jesus' stories in Luke chapter 7, verse 31. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation. This was Jesus' generation. And what are they like? And he says, they are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not sleep, weep. Now that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. But if you were in that generation, it would. Because you know what the kids played in that generation? Two of their big games Funerals and weddings. That was, our, that was our games. And he said, we played the flute at the wedding and you just ignored it. We played the dirge for the funeral and you didn't show up. It's a lot like those people in the marketplace. The fields are white. All you have to do is go out and get it but we would prefer not to. Now, being religious, there's a lot of people that are religious. But you know what being religious is? That's just people, now some of you don't understand that flute and the dirge thing, but let me put it this way. Being religious is you're being a spectator instead of a participant. You're standing looking at all the action. You're on the sidelines, but you're not in the game. So see, in the church today, I told you which group you're in. I see four basic groups. And I know these will overlap. But consider these four groups with me and which one do you belong? See, there is one group that is active they're in the game. They're full of power, full of his grace, full of his love. 
Now, let me, let me say this. So many times we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talking about the power of the Spirit. That's well worth saying. But the passion of the Spirit is just as real. You say, well, passion? Yeah, the love of the Spirit is just as real as the power of the Spirit. And we need all of those at work. And we need to understand that we receive not just the power of the Spirit, but the anointing of the Spirit. And there's a group that is active in the game. They're full of His power, full of His grace, full of His love, and they're pointing souls to Jesus. Thank God for that group. And if you're in that group, thank God for you. Keep on trucking. Keep on keeping on. Because there's still this next group or a group that still needs to see Jesus. See, there's also a group that some of us may be a part of. Now, I would like to think I'm in group one. But sometimes I realize I'm might be more in group two, that I need more of his power. I need more of his love. I need more of Jesus. And God doesn't want us sitting on the sideline waiting to get in the game, but he wants us to get involved. Floyd Williams was in our first service this morning, and, and I remember very clearly when my boys were playing for Floyd in middle school. I said, listen, if you're not in the game, I want you right next to the coach. I want you right there because if he needs somebody in the game, the one he's going to send in is the first one he sees. You got a lot of people complaining they're not in the game and they're not even near the coach. The coach sits around and looks for him. I, I need a guard. I need a tackle. Where are you? I believe the God of this universe is looking for people that's ready to get in the game. That's ready to, to work. But there are many sitting on the sidelines as a spectator instead of getting in the game. Yet we need his power. We need to decide that we want to get in the game, the third group. Bud Wilkerson may have given the, gave the best description. That great football coach, he, someone asked him, how do you describe the game of life? He said, well, it's a lot like the game of football. In football, you got 22 men on the field desperately needing a break and thousands in the stand needing the exercise. <laughs> you know what? Most churches, every, all, all these conferences, they'll tell you, thank God this is not true for Oxford, and I thank God for it. But there's a 2080 rule. Do you know what the 2080 rule is in churches? 20% do all the work, and 80% do all the watching. Now, I'm glad that that's not true for, for Oxford. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines that needs to get in the game. Why? Because there's that fourth group. There's still people that are looking for Jesus. They may not even know what they're looking for. Mary and the disciples, when they went to find Jesus, they knew. When the Greeks came to see Jesus, they knew what they were looking for. But there were, are people in the world today that don't have a clue what they're looking for.
But we need to know that there are people in the marketplace. There are people on their jobs. There are people in their homes that they're looking for Jesus and don't even know it. One of the great things about going to district council is hearing from our missionaries. Heard a lot of great stories last week, but one of them resonated with me. And I said, I'm going to use that Sunday. One of our missionaries is a missionary to the Muslims. And he was witnessing one-on-one with a man that was Muslim. And he told him, said, I want you to read the story of Zacchaeus. And he opened the Bible and gave it to him. Now, I know most of you know the story, but let me just give you enough in case you don't know it. Zacchaeus was a little guy. He was a tax collector. And this was right before Jesus uh, went to the cross that he came through town and Zacchaeus wanted to see him so bad that he climbed up into a tree so that he could get a visual thing as Jesus walked by. And as Jesus walked by, he looked at Zacchaeus, said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house and be with you. The Muslim man read that story and he told the missionary, he said, that just proves my point. In my culture, no one would ever, ever, ever invite themselves to your to go to someone's house. They would have to be invited first. He said, in our culture, only Allah himself would be able to. And he realized something. That Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, was inviting himself to come to Zacchaeus' house. Now, I don't know if that resonated with you, but when you got saved, just guess what? The God of the universe. He invited himself, but he would not go unless you allowed him to. He would not go unless you invited him in. We mentioned this in the Discover OG class this morning. If you look at the great pictures of Jesus knocking at the door, there's one thing about that door. If you've never noticed it, there's no handle on the outside. It has to be open from within. And there are many, many people that are waiting to hear the voice of God. Well, what does the book of Romans say? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they go unless someone sends them. And this Muslim man realized something. As soon as he said the word, only Allah himself, it was like for us to say only God himself has the authority to invite himself into this home. So I get back to the question, which group are you? Are you looking for Jesus? I'm glad to tell you that we can introduce you to him today. And he can make himself very real to you. Are you full of his power, full of his anointing, full of his goodness and and leading people and directing people, working in his vineyard? Are you one of those on the sideline saying, go to it. Just don't ask me to do anything. Which one? Are you a spectator or are you a participant? 
I'd like to address just a comment or two to our graduating seniors. Seniors, I know. I, I know that when we say seniors, a lot of you ears perk up because you think I'm talking to you. But I want to remind you at your next graduation, you'll need to know which group you're in. But our graduating seniors from high school, I know that some of you are already in the game. Some of you are doing so well spiritually, and I thank God for that. But there might be some of you that you haven't decided yet if you're willing to let the coach call the shots. And you haven't let the coach know that you're ready to go in the game. And I know some of you say, well, I'm just graduating from high school. I've got a great long future. Yeah, good chance you do. But the reality is if you're not in God's will today, chances are you probably won't be in God's will tomorrow and vice versa. So I challenge you, challenge you, determine which group you want to be in. The rest of you, what group are you in? If you're looking for Jesus, he's here. If you're looking for his anointing and his power, it's here. If you're wanting to let God know that you're available to get in the game, he's here. You make the choice of which one of those. The only choice you did not have is you might have come in and didn't know who Jesus was. Well, you've got a choice to find out who he is today. You make the decision. We're going to ask our worship team to come back today. And I'll ask you to bow your heads in prayer with me. Holy Spirit, Those verses that you gave me, seemingly not connected at all, but they really are. God, there's a world that's hurting. Burden us. Give us, let our hearts be broken for the things that breaks the heart of God. Minister to us. God, if we're sitting on the sideline, and I know we have some older people that say there's nothing I can do, but oh, they can. They can encourage these young people. They can pray. They can give. They can maybe send some cards, give some calls, because we never get too old to work in the kingdom. And God, if there's some people here today that they're in that group. They just need more of your love, more of your power, more of your spirit. Give us that hunger, even as we yield ourselves to you today. And God, we surrender. We surrender to you. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.